media at SAFM with Ashraf Garda. Exploring every media platform and industry. Only on 104 to 107. Well, this is the second hour of the media show, so welcome to it. My name is Ashraf Garda. If you are tweeting, use the hashtag media show. You must do that. Then you can tweet to me at Ashraf Garda as well as to SAFM Radio. Uh, you can certainly comment via SMS 234701. And uh, when we're talking about something in that moment that fires your imagination, you feel strongly about it, well, call in. Absolutely. And I'm sure you would do the same uh, in terms of what we're talking about now. 0891 We'll have more on that Radio Days Africa uh, just now. And amongst them, uh, Arthur Goldstack's comments and then the connected car, whatever that means, we're going to certainly find out, not just right now, later on. And then you may have seen that uh, the NSPCA advert about dogfighting and, and uh, which caused such a stir, maybe not the way that uh, the NSPCA, uh, NSPCA wanted, in fact. Uh, we'll talk about that to them around a quarter to or ten to ten. That comes up later on. But as uh, every Sunday around this time, we start with what we call a, a thought leader discussion. We get somebody in to talk about something they have strong views on. Cesar uh, Kelly Marutula is that person today. She is the CEO of... Uh, Moonchild, which is a cross-cultural brand consultancy. Uh, Cesar Kelly, good chatting to you. Hi. Good morning, Ashraf. How are you? I'm, I'm very good indeed. Thank you for your time. Right, so, as part of your thought leader discussion today, what do you want to talk about? I actually want to talk about the, the impact of culture on influencing brand choices and, and consumer preferences. Because I think we, we spent a lot of time talking about IQ and EQ and spend very little time trying to understand what the cultural dimension to branding. So, okay, and, and you call it what? Uh, broadly, branding as a cultural phenomenon, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Largely, here, here's why this stuff is important, um, Ashraf. It's because we spend so much time trying to understand what people consume, yet don't spend enough time understanding what are the things that they use in their everyday lives to construct meaning, attach value, and and just organize their lives around. So for as long as we're advertising to sell, then we're doing the shorthand of brand building. All right. G- g- give us more of, of, of what you mean when you say branding is a cultural phenomenon in terms of what you're suggesting versus maybe what uh, what many may see, you know, with, with regard to branding before. Uh, here, here, here's what we finally arrived at, is that we there's a substantive dimension to branding which we haven't focused on. So if culture, in our instance at Moonshot, we focus on culture, and the reason we speak about culture is not just bare-breasted beauty maidens, right? It's a way of life of a group of people understanding their shared values, their norms, their customs, and their history. So it does demand a fundamental understanding of people's heter- the ways in which people are the same and the ways in which people are different. What, what is still happening in present-day South Africa is we're still reverting to the shorthand of stereotype, which only elevates difference to um, chastise or to mimic or to poke fun at it versus celebrating difference. So infusing culture into this brand-building thing is enriching how people arrive at your brand, but also it just gives us some contextual and cultural sensitivities. You have to understand those things to reach and connect with people in a more substantive manner. That's all, that's all what this is. All right. So, so give, me, give me an example. When you say infusing 
culture uh, into the branding. How do you how do you do that? Who's done that already? So let's talk about let's let's look at a few examples, right? So if we're saying where, what is the role of culture, then let's look at brands that have tried to do something that is incredibly culturally connected. Because we know that if you if you connect to the rhythms and rituals of culture, then your brand will cut through the noise. So you can look at what um, Burberry has done with the trench coat, understanding people who love trench coats and how they repurpose those for everyday life would be an example of just understanding a culture that governs a group of people. You can look at um, the type of people who buy IKEA furniture. The reason they resonate with that with that line of furnishing is because it gives them space to infuse their own creativity into the pummeling of cupboards. Of course, couples also break up while they do this, I'm told. But, but the fun mm. of it is just trying to understand how people infuse themselves into the brand that you offer them. So we've given you uh, Burberry, we've given you IKEA. You can look at examples of other brands. For example, we can talk about um, Under Armour who for the longest time were supposed to be the stepchild to the Nikes and the Adidas and the Pumas of this world, what they understood is that athleticism isn't just about fighting a war or fighting an external battle. It's actually about digging deep within you and understanding the power you have and the will you have to succeed. So their advertising message and the things they do outside of advertising are a celebration of a culture of that type of person. Do you understand what I mean? Well, I, I would think I do, but, but maybe is, is there some point of clarity from a listener point that they would need to understand? Um, so, okay, so we've given, so let's give you an even recent example. Nando's, which is a, a, a brand we use oftentimes. Yes. Nando's understands that part of what makes South Africa connect is, is our unrelenting desire for truthfulness, but also a quirkiness that has to do with how we laugh at ourselves and tell truth to power. So I don't know if you saw their recent uh, print ad this week uh, following on the censorship in that part of the universe. Um, and only Nandos would go to that place where they would show you a print ad with some elements blocked out because that's essentially what censorship is about. So they have all, one more time, shown that they are connected to a South, Africa, a South African culture that is all about openness. So these are just examples of what happens when, you, when a brand is deliberate about understanding culture, is that it connects at a much more fundamental level than just telling you to buy something. Yeah, well, so, so, so you say Nando's, because in, in that broad issue of branding, it's this cultural phenomenon. Do, do, I mean, are, are there pitfalls you know, for those that, that wants to embrace that, but also pitfalls for those that tend to ignore it? And I think that may be the bigger pitfall, right? Yeah, so, the, so here's, here's what happens. The, the bigger pitfall is that your work will just sit in the box of stereotype. That's the biggest pitfall. What will also happen is that the consumer or your target market will leave you behind because as they evolve, you are not keeping up with them. So in two, in two minutes or three minutes, you'll be irrelevant. And we all know that part of brand building is about driving that relevance because relevance drives preference. So if you don't keep up with the cultural dimension, you will get left behind. Yeah, and, yeah. And, 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 and I, don't, I can't find one CEO or one marketer who says, actually, I'm okay with people leaving me behind. Everybody wants to be current. If anything, marketers want to feel like they are ahead of the curve versus behind the curve. 
Well, so I tell you what, that, that point about stereotypes is an important one. Let me also just invite listeners, if you wish to uh, chat to, uh, well, myself as well as Cesar uh, Kelly Marudlutle, you certainly can do that right away. 891 every Sunday around 9 o'clock at this thought leader discussion. Today it's about uh, branding as a, as a cultural uh, phenomenon. But you, you made the point about stereotypes and, and, and almost you know, suggesting you need to avoid stereotypes. Yet, is it not fair to say that so much of advertising is, in fact, uh, premised on on stereotypes? There, there are positive and negative stereotypes, right? So what, when you find the black woman who's still um, screaming at a Sangoma in a caravan park because her partner didn't leave enough money to cover her, her upkeep when he's dead, that's not funny. That's insulting. When you find a kid who asks um, a person who's, a, who's, who's overweight in a shopping mall and calls them names, that's not funny. That's offensive. So you can there are, there are negative stereotypes that all we tend to find, at least in, in present-day advertising, is that the black consumer is still laughing. She's still jumping for bread. She's still jiggling her behind. All these things are just the root of needs cognitive engagement. And, and we can't be having this conversation 22 years later, but I suspect we, we'll keep having it until some brand owners start paying attention. But, but do, do you, you are you correct, say, um, Ashraf. There are uh, negative stereotypes and there are positive stereotypes, but unfortunately, when it comes to the consumer who's black, we seem to default to negative stereotypes. How, how, how then do we avoid that? I mean, it sounds pretty simple to me to just avoid it, but the fact is it's, it's still being played out every single day on our, you know, radio, TV screens with regard to advertising. Isn't it? What, what then needs to happen? The, which, the, that's the point I was making earlier, that cultural comprehension requires commitment, right? So you have to be deliberate about promoting a constructive understanding of the people. And the reason people tend to um, go towards a negative stereotype is because it's the least of, it's the root of least resistance. You actually don't have to engage, you just have to mimic, you just have to repeat what has been told to you versus challenging your own understanding of the people. So we have to stop being lazy, I'm, I'm sorry to say, and just, and just get a hard tear. Because the people we serve aren't in our air-conditioned offices, are they? They're out there in the street trying to make a living. And until you can engage with them, then you're, we're, we're always either going to be offending or missing the mark. You know, one of the key points you, you've also made uh, when I was reading some of the notes uh, in terms of your presentation that you did originally yes. on this to Gibbs, right, is that, you know, brands don't make the world go round. It, it's, it's such an interesting one. Explain that. <laughs> we don't wake up in the morning and go, oh, my goodness. What brand am I going to engage with today? What brand is going to add meaning to my life? I think at a, at a human level, we wake up just trying to understand how can I be understood? How can I add value to the world? How can I feel appreciated? And how can I get through my day? And perhaps somewhere um, in those questions, a brand will have some role to play. But, but you don't wake up in the morning going, hmm, what brand is going to add joy to my life today? That's not what we do. There are brands are, are, are entities we invite on the journey of our lives. And until we as brand builders can understand that, then we're always going to be left behind by the consumer because, remember, we're asking permission from the consumer to, ha- to 
to have us along the journey of their mm, lives. Mm, mm. That's what it is. is they don't wake up thinking about us, but we should wake up thinking about them. Okay, but it's interesting you, you brought up Nando's earlier on and Coca-Cola, which is like this, this global brand, right? And there may be others, of course, right? Uh, because, I mean, I, I went to two events in the last few days, and then again, the, the status symbol in terms of success was, uh, was Mercedes-Benz. Now, what happens then when, when brand, I mean, are, example, are these examples of, in fact, when, when brand is part of the culture? These are amazing positive examples, and the more we can see, um, the more conversations we will have. But I love how, for a brand as old as Coca-Cola, they easily could have been left behind because they're more than 50, 100 years old, yet they have found a way of remaining contemporary because that's the other challenge. Culture evolves, and brand building should also reflect that level of contemporarity, if there is a word like that. But brands have to remain contemporary because as culture evolves, you also have to evolve with culture because culture basically is about the universe of people you're you are aiming to serve. So you have to keep current. And and by and large, are brands able to, to remain contemporary? I mean, the example of Coca-Cola may not be the best one because they've been super successful at that. What I'm talking about is, you know, the middle brands of the world, are, are they, have they been able to keep pace and understand it or not? It's an ongoing journey, um, Asha. The reason you and I are having this conversation is because we don't have um, enough examples of people who, or enough examples of brands that are staying current. And the challenge, the challenge remember that this is not a, I'm not, I'm not in any way suggesting that people aren't doing the work. What we're saying is do the work and let's see the examples played out in, in media, because that advertising is the tip of the iceberg. It's the visible part of the iceberg, but it's not the complete picture. So let's do the work so that the advertising, which is the visible part, then reflects our understanding of culture and its impact on, on brand and consumer choice. So in terms of that, uh, and if you've tuned in late, you should never tune in late, but anyway, if you have, for whatever reason, I'm chatting to Cesar Kele Marutlule, who's the CEO of Moonchild, which is a cross-cultural brand consultancy. Maybe cross-cultural is so important in the light of uh, our discussion today about branding as a cultural a phenomenon. Uh, SMS 34701. I see your mate Oresti Patricia is certainly tweeting or retweeting some of the comments we've just made, uh, uh, Caesar. So you'd be happy to know there are people that within your industry who are certainly listening in, right? Uh, in, in terms of, you know, wh- where we are regarding then brand, uh, yeah. is the responsibility in terms of understanding the culture, is that to do with, is the responsibility with the brand or is it with the agency? Now, your already made answer maybe both, but I mean, tell me more about that. <laughs> yeah, the answer is both, but here's, here's the deal. If, if, if clients challenge those of us they hire to build their brand to keep them current versus them just measuring how many awards we win with them, I bet the conversation will change, right? Because if a client said to you, we're, receiving, we're getting a lot of flack, whether it's Skip South Africa or it's H&M entering South Africa, we're getting a lot of flack because the marketplace says we're not reflecting a diverse um, population or we're not understanding culture. If that became a measure in our contracting between agency and client, I would like to think that we'd see an effective shift because what, we, we changed the things that cost us something. For as long as culture and its understanding isn't written into our contract, 
then we as agencies are going to keep doing the stuff that we've always been doing, which is the stuff that works, which is the stuff that is easier to do, but it's not necessarily the stuff that is substantive. So it's a joint responsibility. Brand owners need to demand of their agencies um, to give them and, and enrich their cultural understanding. Ad agencies need to invest in gathering um, cultural intelligence. It's a two-way thing. But, but is, the, you know, is the role of agencies to find creative uh, solutions, creative ideas for a brand to grow, grow as in bottom line, or, or is it more? Is you know, is do they need to look at a brand and look at culture of a country or a community, and to make those type of cultural shifts that that actually politicians are uh, want to be doing right now? It's a, it's a, if if Ashraf, if we remove advertising from everyday life, then we do the things we are currently doing, which is. We walk around saying we're ad agencies, we're all about creativity, it's not, we don't have a social responsibility. And I differ, because part of what's happening in this country, particularly given our differing education levels, is that people are looking to those images to form an opinion of who they are or what they think they should be. So we have a responsibility to project images that are inspi- inspiring and uplifting, but also culturally accurate. We have to do that. And, and, and are we, well, I'm not an agency, are the agencies doing that? And I don't brand? think we're doing enough of it. Um, I mean, and I'm happy for someone to call in and say, I've got 100 examples of things that work. But I'm, I am just saying, I don't feel that we're doing enough of it. There's a lot more we can do to deepen our understanding. I mean, let's, let's, let's give you an example, right? Culture also talks about interlocking identities, because if you're speaking about me, I am more than just black female, a boss, a student, a music lover, a reader, right? I'm all these other things. Yet advertising doesn't reach those other identities because all it does is focus on on the part of me that consumes, Mm. not the rest of my life. And yet if you were focused on culture, then you would develop an understanding and an interest in the other dimensions that make up this human experience. You know what I mean? Yeah, that, that, that's, well, that's, a, that's a very important point. So, so maybe at that point you said somebody may call in and say these are a hundred things that don't work. Maybe you should just stick your neck on and tell me in, in broad terms, maybe in, in South Africa we've got about five minutes to go, just some things that work and some things that don't work in our country. So um, I, here's what I like. I like that we're having conversations about things that make us uncomfortable because when we speak culture, the tendency for people to think, oh, no, we're not going to talk about black people again. But guess what? Until we can have a diverse outlay of messages and images that reflect black people as we see ourselves, this conversation isn't going to end. So when you use, a, when you use and I'll call out some brands now, so when you have my way uh, taking an insurance product and mimicking and using um, negative stereotypes to try and promote that messaging, it's problematic. It's an important product, but there are other ways of doing it. We, clientele does the same thing. So there, there, there seems to be this understanding that if it's black people in funerals, you have to give them a goat and 200 grand airtime and show them grieving all the time. There are other dimensions to a black life experience. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We have weddings, we have birthdays, we have celebrations, we are we are successful, we are readers, we, we go to the moon, we, we run countries. Yet these parts of the black life experience are never, are never reflected. So I, I bring these examples only to say there's still a lot of work to be done. Yes, 
advertising is a lot more diverse than it was 10 years ago, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's any more culturally accurate. And, and why did you think agencies or, or brand managers would, would you know, sign off onto that, keeping in mind that South Africa, and we're talking South Africa just for the moment, is, yeah. is incredibly sensitive at this point in time with regard to how race and culture is portrayed. I mean, it's not a week that goes by without some issue or the other of someone who has actually forgotten their, their intercultural, cross-cultural manners. Um, you know what? You, <laughs> I think that we, there's a difference between what we look at and what we see. And sometimes we are comfortable with what we look at and we elevate that to intelligence. So when you see, um, let's find an example for you. So when you, when you see um, two black ladies laughing at the top of our voice in their hair salon, that's what, that's what you're looking at. But what, it's not necessarily that all black people who go to a hair salon laugh at the top of their volume, at the top of their voices. Yet that's what you'll see played back in advertising. So I think the, the lack of diversity in the advertising community is made manifest through the quality of work that then turns out. All right, so, so what then would be the role of, of the, uh, you know, the, let's call it, well, the advertising authorities in the country? I see Odette, uh, 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 well, Van der Haar, she's got uh, Roper as well. I mean, she's, just, she's also just tweeted something. What would be their role? I mean, is their role then to direct advertising change, keeping in mind by its very nature the industry is incredibly creative and you don't want necessarily want to, want to police them, or, or should they just take a step back? No, we've, we've, I mean, this is, I'm now saying we because I'm also part of the industry, that yeah. we've always argued that we're self-regulating, that we don't necessarily need a government voice to tell us what we do. Yes, we have been caught lacking um, when it comes to the pace of transformation. So to have a government dictate percentages of ownership and, and uh, racial composition isn't necessarily a good thing because it essentially it's an indictment on our inability to transform at the required pace. Do you know what I mean? So, so we can hold ourselves on some level. I think with that we can also take responsibility for not having progress as quickly as we need it to. Not because it's politically correct, but because it makes commercial sense. Mm, true. Yeah. All right. We, we've got about two minutes to go. Is, is, there, is there any other point that, uh, that you feel strongly about that we haven't yet touched on? There are many other points, but I guess my parting shot basically is just to say, not, not to discourage anyone, but to just say it is important that we, can, we start to construct images that embrace sameness and celebrate difference in a way that reflects our cultural understanding. So yeah. let's just go and do the homework. Well, there you are. That's where we're going to, in fact, uh, leave it. She's a Kelly Marut Lula. Thanks so much for your time. I'll tell you what, uh, if you are able to, and I know you are, uh, maybe even tweet five of the key points that you've just mentioned uh, to me on air using that hashtag media show to me, and I'll certainly share that to, to listeners as well. All right? Great stuff. Thanks, Arthur. Perfect. Lovely chatting. There we are. She's a Kelly Marut Lula, who's the CEO of the Moonchild Agency, which is a cross-cultural brand uh, consultancy.